The reading this morning is taken from John chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, and that's in the Pew Bibles, page 1076. John 10, starting at verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. said I have come that they may have life and have it to the full amazing verse that we often use I have come that they may have life and have it to the full that is such a promise but I want today to spend a little bit of time exploring what it means we often take it as a single verse but it's given within the context of a wider passage so what does it mean to have life in all its fullness. What does that actually look like? 
You might want to turn in your Bibles to page 1076. That's the passage that we're looking at. 1076, John chapter 10. We've got a little bit of a problem with the way that Bibles are written these days. Because they're written in chapters and verses. It makes it really easy to to tell you where to look, John chapter 10. What it doesn't help us with is understanding the narrative that is a continuous narrative. So at the beginning of this, we start straight with a a quotation from Jesus, I tell you the truth. And we might think it's chapter 10, this is a brand new thing Jesus is doing, is standing up and starts by saying, I tell you the truth. But actually, it's following on from what has gone before. So we understand this passage in the context of what has come before. And the passages beforehand have been around the Pharisees trying to understand who Jesus is. Jesus declaring who he is. Jesus showing who he is through his miraculous acts. And the Pharisees questioning, who is this man? He comes and says he is the Messiah. He is the Lord. The passage before was about um, a man born blind. And that was a physical blindness. But there was also a sense that Jesus was talking about metaphorical blindness. Because the Pharisees have become blind to who Jesus is. And he's trying to say to them in this passage who he is. I tell you the truth. He's using picture language. In in verse 6, Jesus used this figure of speech. He's trying to help them understand who he is. Who is Jesus? That's one of the deepest questions we might ask. Who is Jesus? Because until we know who he is, we're not going to follow him. And this whole passage is about knowing who Jesus is and then following him. It's actually really simple. We know Jesus and we follow him. And he describes this with this picture of the sheep and the shepherd. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. So if you want to know who I am, Pharisees, if you want to know who I am, Jewish people, if you want to know who I am, people of Wanish, Blackheath, Bramley, Shalford, Shamley Green, I am the good shepherd. We need to dig down. What does he mean by that? And if we were experts in the Old Testament, we would know that the word shepherd has been used continually throughout Scripture. We've seen images of sheep and shepherds, not least in King David, the shepherd boy who became the king. We have pictures in the Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd, most famous psalm that most of us know, Psalm 23. Pictures of a shepherd, connotations being that God, the Lord, the Messiah is like a shepherd. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, immediately those Jewish people who were steeped in the Old Testament realize this man is saying he is God. He is the Lord. He is the Messiah. Yes, there's a a kind of description of what does it mean to be a shepherd, but first and foremost, they recognize that he is saying something significant in acknowledging that all those promises of the Old Testament that looked ahead to the day when the Messiah would come As the shepherd who would lead God's sheep forward, this is him in Jesus. 
Jesus is the one they have been waiting for, the longed-for Messiah, and he is here, and not everybody at this point sees it. The Pharisees are spiritually blind to who he is. I am the shepherd. Not only am I the shepherd, I am the good shepherd. And our English translation loses something in this as well. Good is quite a sort of bland word. Have you had a good day? Yeah, all right, so-so. Good doesn't really indicate what Jesus is saying. There's depths of understanding in that word good as well. And there's not just one word that we can interpret it as, but it's something around the lines of being perfect, of being beautiful, of being attractive in the sense that people are drawn towards him. You want to follow him. He is the best. He is all of those things wrapped up in one. We will never know anybody like Jesus. He is the ultimate, the perfect, the most beautiful, the one to whom we are drawn. His attraction comes out and we are drawn towards him. This is who Jesus is. And he says, I am this. And if you are my people, you follow me like sheep follow a shepherd. And sheep aren't particularly complicated creatures. Paul and I have got a little cottage in Dorset and we're surrounded by fields. And largely there's a little bit of agriculture, but a lot of it is sheep farming. So we know far more about sheep than we've ever known in our lives. And we go down at different times of year and we watch the sheep and we have them in the field at the back of our garden as well. So we're pretty in tune with sheep. And they're not complicated. They eat and they drink. That's it. All they need is grass and water. And they eat grass all day long. They sleep occasionally, but they basically eat grass all day long and they need fresh water. And they have the innate sense that that is what they need. And the picture that Jesus is painting is this, of that Middle Eastern shepherd, where in Dorset the rain falls and the grass is always green and lush. Occasionally the farmer needs to take the sheep from one field to another. But largely there is good pasture. But imagine yourself in the Middle East, where it's very dry, very arid. The sheep depend on the shepherd to help them find grass and water. And they learn to follow the shepherd, trusting that the shepherd will take them to a good place. It's pretty simple. They know what they need, the shepherd knows what they need, and the shepherd leads them to it. Pretty simple. The shepherd cares for them, tends for them, looks after them. If one is sick or struggling... The shepherd will make sure he does all he can to make sure the the sheep is in good health, or she. The shepherd ensures their safety. Back in Jesus' time, the danger of wild animals coming to kill the sheep. So at night time, the sheep are put into a pen and the shepherd sleeps across the gateway in order to protect the sheep but also risking their life because they're first when the wild animal comes. And Jesus is saying, this is what I'm like. I care for you. I want the best for you. I want you to have a good life. 
I want you to be safe and I will protect you. I'm willing to sacrifice my own well-being for your sake. And we know that ultimately that led Jesus to the cross. This is who I am and this is what I am like. And I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. That is why Jesus has come. He's come to usher in the kingdom of God. We have been designed to live as God's children. And we live in a world that has not quite yet allowed the kingdom of God to reign in fullness. And we believe one day that will happen. But we see glimpses of God's kingdom here. And Jesus came to live on earth to usher in God's kingdom, God's rule, God's reign. The best way for us to live. And Jesus came for that. God made himself in the form of a human to live amongst us in the mess of our human world in order that we might know the goodness of God's kingdom. To be part of it here, to get glimpses of the future in order that God's kingdom might extend further and further. So Jesus is the shepherd. He is the good shepherd who wants everything for us. All we need to do is listen to his voice and follow. Really simple. We are not complicated people. We have been created to hear the voice of Jesus. And we are designed to follow that because that is what is good for us. Really simple. But what does that look like in practice? Because we've become complicated. We've messed it up and we've made it all such a complicated situation that that's actually really hard. When we break it down, it's simple. But in day-to-day life, what does it look like to follow the shepherd? I want to share two pictures. I have shared them both before and that's fine. I I have the excuse now, I can show you them again. And the first one is this one of a little girl who's sitting completely at ease with Jesus. For me, it's important it's a little girl because that speaks to me. You have to look into it for yourself. But when I saw this picture, I was so struck by it and I keep turning back to it because I keep asking myself the question, do I feel as safe and secure with Jesus as that little girl? Because that's what I want and that is what Jesus promises. She is completely herself. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. When we have life in all its fullness, we can be completely who we are, with no pretense, no fear of status, what others might think of us, no competitiveness, no need to put on the Sunday best and the smile and say everything's fine. We can be completely ourselves because we know that Jesus loves us. That is who we can be when we follow Jesus. That is my desire. That is my longing, day by day by day, to be as comfortable with Jesus as that little girl is. What stops me? All the nonsense that I choose to believe. All the other voices that speak. And this is why Jesus talks about distinguishing his voice amongst the others. Because so many will tell us what we need to be completely fulfilled in life. 
And we tell ourselves things too. We don't grow up necessarily sheltered from some of the, the stuff of life. And we grow up with images of ourselves that aren't true. We grow up with fears and reservations. And that record plays in our head time and time again. I watched an amazing program through the week um, on anxiety with Nadia, the um, uh, British Bake Off um, cook. Really powerful story. It's um, Mental Health Awareness Week. And there's, been, uh, there's another couple I'm still waiting to watch. But really good documentaries about mental illness. Anxiety affects so many. In our schools, children from the age of eight are suffering from anxiety. It is rife in our community. And she spoke really powerfully about part of where her, the root of her anxiety has come. And she was bullied at school. And she revisited with a psychotherapist those memories of being bullied at school, which culminated in a really horrific incident where her head was put down a toilet. And she had no confidence that the girls would actually pull her head out in time before she stopped breathing. Not a wonder she suffers from anxiety. And she tells herself all sorts of things. I'm unworthy. I'm useless. I'm a terrible mother. I'm a terrible wife. And that's the record she hears. And the program was helping her tell another story. Jesus tells us the correct story. And even if we have suffered things in life that have skewed our image of who we are, Jesus knows who we are. He knows us by name and he knows who we truly are. And when we follow him, he allows us to become who we truly are because we are safe in his presence, and we are confident that he wants the best for us. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come with immense love, love that you will never know in any other place for you as an individual. That is a tiny girl. There must have been crowds waiting to speak to him, and yet he's sitting, waiting with her. And that is what he wants for me, And what he wants for you. He wants us to be so at ease with him that we are so at ease with ourselves. And when we have that relationship with Jesus, we know his voice. Elliot knows his mum and dad's voice. Elliot knew that I was a stranger. (laughs) And he was pretty good. He didn't cry. But he had me to have his hand on Lisa's arm. That's how we need to live through life with our hand on Jesus' arm, sometimes being held by him, sometimes being carried by him. Because that is who we truly are, a child in Christ of the Father. And we then distinguish Jesus' voice. That is life in all its fullness. But it doesn't stay there. Because Jesus talks about leading us on. And my second picture is this. It's another girl because I'm a female. What if I fall? Oh, but my darling, what if you fly? That's a choice we have in life all the time, isn't it? And I teeter on the edge. (gasps) What if, what if, what if? For some of the things in my life and other things, I'm far bolder. And I'm far bolder with Jesus than I am in my own abilities to do things. Because I know that Jesus wants me to fly. Not for my own sake, but for the sake of the kingdom. He has plans for me. He has plans for me as I become who I truly am to fly. 
And that means experiencing new things. Because I can't be who I truly am if I'm just in a little box. He has big plans for me. He has big plans for you. He has big plans for this church. What if we don't get the vicar we really want? What if you do? What if you get the vicar that's actually going to challenge and take you even further? That's scary, isn't it? But oh my goodness, that's a great journey. You didn't quite know what you were getting in me, did you, when I arrived? I smile gently and I look very calm, but oh my goodness, I challenge as well. Because that is what the Christian life is about. We become who we truly are in Jesus and he leads us on. There's times when we need to be by green pastures and to rest and to be sheltered by him. But there are other times when we climb the mountain and see there's yet more peaks still to come. And if we don't want to do that, if we fear that, we lose out on so much. We need to be comfortable and confident to step out beyond what is safe and secure sometimes. Because Jesus is leading us. Jesus is the one who is leading us. And we're not doing it in our own strength. I can't do things in my own strength. I am a worrier and I fear things. And sometimes doing the mundane stuff, I can get really nervous about it. really stupid things. But the stuff of Jesus... Sometimes it's really scary. And I think, oh my goodness me, what am I doing here? That's what I'm about to do. But I have learned that Jesus will never take me anywhere where he's not there with me. And that even if I feel completely inadequate, that's an okay place to be. Because when I'm feeling most inadequate is when I trust most in Jesus and let him do the work in me. So the adventure I'm on isn't about what can I do. It's about what's Jesus going to do through me. That's actually really exciting because I don't know what he's going to do through me. Really exciting. And there will be moments where I think, where are you, Jesus? I'm only doing this because I think you're with me and I can't sense you. But I know that he is there and that he will do all that he needs to do in me for the next stage of my journey. And that's the same here as well. Don't be safe. Be adventurers. And follow the voice of Jesus. Don't come up with schemes and plans that are not of Jesus, because that's going to lead you to nowhere. Jesus leads us to where he has a place for us, as individuals and as a church. On Thursday evening, there was a a meeting with the PCC and Danny Wignall to help uh, form the parish profile. I wasn't at it, because that's not appropriate. But I did get an email that had a summary of the post-it notes that people had written up about things that were going well and what type of place we were. And there was one little post-it that really tickled me, and it said that Debbie's been a good sheepdog. And I thought, that's really good. I don't quite know what you meant by that, whether I'm sort of... No idea, and I don't really want to know. But within the context of this, I thought that is absolutely what I needed to be. Because in the Middle East, the shepherd doesn't come from behind. The shepherd leads from the front. I have never wanted to be a leader that you are following me. You need to follow Jesus. And if I've been the sheepdog at the back saying, look where Jesus is going, let's go with him, then I've done my job well. And that's a huge affirmation to me 
of who I have been in this place. You might not have meant it like that, but that's how I've taken it. Because Jesus is at the front. And if I ever hear things like, don't worry, Wanish can do it, that really worries me. Because only Jesus can do it. And we need to be totally dependent on Jesus. And we need to be saying, we cannot do this, but we know that Jesus can. That is the place that we need to be. So what does a church look like that follows this example? Jesus is the good shepherd who has the best for us, who will take us to places that he leads us to in order that we might experience life in all its fullness. What would a church look like? I read two quotes this week. I knew Jesus and God was speaking to me because when you suddenly keep reading things, you say, okay, Lord, I know what you're saying. The first was a quote from a woman called Rachel Held Evans. Rachel was an American. She was 37 and died uh, two weeks ago, really, really sadly, uh, complications of pneumonia. She had written a lot about her struggles with church. She didn't like what church was becoming in America and was trying to find authentic Christian communities and didn't always see that in churches. And I think we'd have to say the same, that sometimes church isn't truly authentic Christian community. And she blogged and she wrote some books really powerfully. And speaking to a millennial generation who are asking all these questions, and I think if you're not a millennial, you need to understand what people are asking because we think we've got it right. We think we've got church sussed. And all we need to do is do it better and people will flock in. No. We need to be authentic Christian community, which might look like this, but we start from being authentic Christian community. So she said this, imagine if every church became a place where everyone is safe, but no one is comfortable. Oh, I like that. We're safe because we, we know one another. We're real with one another. We're authentic. We're vulnerable with one another. But we're not safe because we're on a journey with Jesus who takes us beyond that. The second quote was from Rowan Williams and he wrote this um, probably about 10 years ago. He said this, The church is first of all a kind of space cleared by God through Jesus in which people may become what God made them to be, his sons and daughters. So the church is, first of all, a space cleared by God through Jesus in which people may become what God made them to be. Is this who we are? A space where we can become who God made us to be. So both Rachel Held Evans, Rowan Williams, completely different characters, different backgrounds, different traditions, saying a very similar thing. What does it look like for a church to live authentically with Jesus as the shepherd. So a few questions just as I finish. Do we listen to the voice of Jesus in our own lives and in the life of the church? Do we listen to the voice of Jesus rather than the clamour of the other voices that fill our heads? That's a huge challenge. If we want to listen to Jesus... We need to be disciplined about that. We need to know him. We can't listen to somebody we don't know. So we need to be disciplined in prayer, in study, in learning from one another who Jesus is because we share experiences and our understanding of who Jesus is will be shaped by hearing from others. 
And we need to be disciplined and just active in doing that. So firstly, do we listen to the voice of Jesus? Secondly, are we free to be who we are? With no fear, no sense of shame, no concerns about what people will think of us. That's the church I want to be part of. Where I can be completely me. I can make mistakes and it's all right. Are we free to be who we are? If you're sitting here today thinking, I don't think I feel free to be who I am, then we've done something wrong and we need to talk about that. Because how will others come in if we are not feeling that we can be who we truly are? And if his church is a place that is encouraging that, we all need to feel that. Third question, do we build one another up? And it's linked to that last one. Do we build one another up to become who we are created to be? Do we actively seek the best for one another? Encouraging each one to stretch out further into being the person God has made them to be. That will involve risk-taking and the ability to make mistakes. Sometimes we spot the mistakes far more than the good stuff that goes on. And that's part of our culture here. And that's quite hard. How do we create a place where we can grow and not worry about making mistakes? And then finally, are we ready to be led to pastures new? confident and trusting in Jesus. The shepherd knows when to lead. We stay for a while in a place, but when that place is not a place that is giving life, he moves the sheep on. And he moves people, individuals and congregations on. Are we ready to be led to pastures new, confident and trusting in Jesus? with a deep longing to live his kingdom. Amen.